the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, it's Crystal with 104.1 The Fish, and I am so delighted. Today, I get to talk with one of my besties here at Salem Media, Georgine Rice. She has been a talk show host with KPDQ, our sister station, for more than 30 years, and she's traveled internationally as a station correspondent. Back in 2003, Georgine served as the chief spokesman and debater for the Defense of Marriage Coalition, which successfully amended Oregon's Constitution. Now, she has lectured on university campuses and is a frequent speaker and worship leader at Christian conferences and retreats and Georgine has served on several boards and regularly volunteers for charitable organizations. A musician extraordinaire, she and her husband Dan have traveled around the world teaching and performing gospel music, and that is on my bucket list of things to do is to sing with Georgine. Georgine, I haven't even heard you yet. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We just need to break out right now with a little, oh, let's see, his eyes on the sparrow. You want to try it? Well... (laughs) (laughs) I won't put you on the spot right now Uh, or myself for that matter. Get excited. I just want to say congratulations on 30 years of service in your career at KPDQ. Yeah. As of October 1st of this year, I've been here for 30 years. It's it's staggering to consider I've been anywhere for 30 years. But my goodness, it's true. How did this all begin? You know, I was working with Oregon Right to Life at the time that I was invited to speak for that organization here probably three or four times. And the last time I was invited by the station manager and he asked me, would you be interested in doing radio? And I had always thought it was intriguing, but I'd never given it much serious thought. But I also knew it was a time of transition that I was moving out of that position and I didn't know where God would lead me. But he led me here and I've been here 30 years now. Oh, my goodness. What experiences stand out in your mind of things you've been able to do since being a part of the KPDQ family? You know, I never imagined that doing this kind of work would lead to travel where I'd have opportunities to meet with uh, people from the church all over the globe. I've been throughout Asia and Europe and Eastern Europe. It's just been amazing to me uh, to have the opportunity to travel, uh, to meet with the underground church, for example, in Asia, to smuggle Bibles into Vietnam, to have those Bibles discovered and somehow for God to get me through Uh, that security system. I mean, I have stories that I could tell you that I never would have imagined sitting behind a microphone Mm. here at KPDQ would lead to that kind of opportunity and intrigue, if you will. (laughs) You shared that story with me, Georgine, and my heart was pounding. Just just that segment Mm -hmm. of where they're opening up your luggage. And it's illegal to have Bibles, by the way, in that part of the world. So what was going through your mind? Can you just walk us through just that part? Yeah, it was terrifying to me because I was told if you are discovered, you're responsible not as a member of a group, but as an individual to get yourself back home because they'll most likely detain you and then deport you. 
So it was terrifying to me. I'd never been there before. I didn't know what to do. They open it up. They see the Bibles. One person is standing there. He calls over another. They're speaking rather loudly. I don't think they were angry. I think that's just the way they communicated. Yeah, they and called not over. in English. No, they're speaking Vietnamese. They call someone else over. Pretty soon there's a whole crowd of them. They're all talking. And I decided, I perhaps was led to just simply close my suitcase, zip it up, take it off the table where they had been examining it and all my Bibles are exposed mm. and to simply roll that bag out into the crowd. I, I couldn't exactly blend in, uh, but I, I did make my way into what was a very large crowd outside the airport where I was directed by someone else to follow him to where uh, the, the van was parked. And my goodness, whew, and it, it reminded me, though, I was terrified at the prospect of being discovered and deported. But for those believers who would receive those Bibles uh. for them, there's a much higher price to be paid. So to put it into perspective, I felt a little bit cowardly. Um, thinking about the little cost that I would pay as compared to what they would pay if or when they're discovered. Wow. So definitely worth it. You would have done it. Again. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, have done it many times. My goodness, you little hero, you. <laughs> well, hardly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You've interviewed so many people over the years. Would there be one interview that you haven't done that you hope to do? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. The names and faces are always changing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'd have to give that some thought. I don't know that there is someone that I haven't yet interviewed that I would like to. I mean, always whoever the sitting president is, you'd like to have the opportunity to speak with them, mm-hmm. uh, either to ask, you know, what were you thinking or, um, you know, what what should we be doing and, and to have a real conversation. Right. But I, I've had uh, access because of technology to so many people. There's really very few that I haven't had that uh, opportunity to speak with. Who's been your most memorable uh, most memorable. And again, such a long uh, laundry <laughs> 30 list. 30 years. Yeah. I know. I'm just putting you on the spot. Um, I, think, I think the most memorable, aren't, memorable aren't necessarily people whose names you would recognize, but mm-hmm. people who are little known but are having a tremendous impact in their country. Yes. In most cases, by bringing the gospel. And they've suffered great persecution as a consequence. Um, those people are impressive to me. I, I would say Samuel Hakim, who heads up a ministry right here in the Portland metro area, My ministering goodness. the gospel all over the uh, Middle Eastern world. It's really amazing what technology permits and what he's been able to do from right here in Portland, reaching the world. We're going to bring it a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. because I definitely want to hear some of the unknown behind the scenes, disruptive or funny (laughs) events, anything that's happened that you could share with us that you'd be willing to share. (laughs) Yeah, there's some things I, I wouldn't, but I have to tell you, uh, you sit in a room all by yourself. You're sitting where I would normally sit and uh, facing the glass where the engineer sits. There's always people conspiring to somehow make you laugh mm. or do something. I remember one of my engineers put those, they're kind of sticky spots, put them all over himself oh, no. and suddenly emerged, <laughs> uh, you know, with these spots all over himself. I remember him putting a tack in my chair at one point. There's always someone conspiring. <laughs> Why would to they do, do that to you, Georgie? I do not know. I remember one time I was given a traffic report and it was... Um, during the period where we were commemorating the death of uh, President John F. Kennedy, it was a very mm-hmm. somber conversation, but I was reading the script, and he included the words to a song that was completely irreverent and off-subject, oh my and I'm dutifully reading no. it because I'm trusting the person. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying not to laugh, get through it, and, you know, realize what I was doing. That kind of thing happens all the time, and you that try to be stoic hilarious. about it, but... Mm. <laughs> Your worst nightmare on air. Uh, I remember, for example, interviewing a a man who had 
um, been on a trip through a portion of the Amazon River that no um, person outside of that country had ever traveled. I mean, it was fascinating. The book had all these uh, perils of going from one spot to another. So it was really exciting. I go into this lengthy question, setting him up to tell that story. It's the highlight of the whole book. And I finally get to the point where it's time for him to respond. Tell us about it. And he said to me during this interview, which was scheduled for about 30 minutes, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And And he was was done. He was done. I'm thinking, I've got 29 more minutes and he's got nothing to say. An interviewer's worst (laughs) Worst nightmare. nightmare. (laughs) And it happens from time to time. So what did you do? Um, I tried to feed him some of the details, you know, because I had read the book (laughs) and he, oh yeah, well that was pretty harrowing. You know, it it wasn't very satisfying. So the rest of the time I'm sweating bullets trying to come up with enough conversation to fill the time. I mean, you can cut a conversation short, but you tend to, you know, prepare for the amount of time that the the interview is and you, you haven't prepared for something else. So it was a it was a challenge. So I may have recited the ABCs and <laughs> sang a song or something. I don't know what I did, but got through the interview. Over the years, has the dynamics of what you talk about changed as far as the type of show that you do? Or has it always been the same? It has changed somewhat. I think technology has made it possible to have access to more interesting people Mm -hmm. that live far away. So that has changed the dynamic. And I think also it's guided to some degree by what's happening around us. What's the culture saying? What's going on in politics? And so it's taken sort of a dour um, turn uh, of late. And that, you know, that's been a long kind of decline so that's distressing to me, yes. but I feel a responsibility to report on it and to try to, to do that responsibly. Um, and I'm doing more um, news, I think, than I did in the beginning. Right. Um, so, yeah, it has changed over time, but it's really a reflection of what's going on in the culture and the world around us. Well, I love this is kind of an insider thing. I don't know if you even know this or not, but you get so many books. Um, those books that you discard, believe it or not, are in my library. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love books. I've always said, God, you know, please don't let me die before I read all my books. I'm going to live a long time. That's (laughs) all I can say. Uh, What's next for Miss Georgine Rice? What would you like to see yourself doing in the next five years? Well, I I plan to continue to do the program for a few more years. And then really, I'm completely open. My husband and I uh, are caring for my mother who lives with us. And my my primary commitment at this point is to walk her home and to do it well. Um, Once that responsibility has ended, and who knows, maybe she'll outlive me. um, He and I are just completely open. Maybe God would send us to the mission field. Maybe we'll foster parent. I really don't know. I just am completely open to whatever I feel like the Lord is calling us to. The other thing is I want to be very attentive when it's time to go. You don't want to overstay I have a little, a couple of novelty suitcases in my office that every once in a while I'll look over and it reminds me, I'm just here temporarily. Uh, Someone else is going to have this position after me. My prayer is they'll do far better than I ever did. Uh, They'll have more influence, more impact, but I'm only here for a season. This job doesn't belong to me. Um, I've been given the, the opportunity to serve for a season and that season will end. My value doesn't come from what I'm doing today and God will, will, you know, march me on to the next thing. What would you say to your five-year-old self with the knowledge that you have today? I would say don't squander time um, imagining the future that you've planned for yourself, Mm. but really release that 
to God. Hold your hopes and dreams in your hands very lightly and allow him to place what he desires to place there and to take away the things that um, he doesn't intend for you. I always imagined that I would be a stay-at-home mom raising, and I had figured it out. I was going to have five kids. That was the dream of my life. And when that didn't happen the way I had always mm. planned, I really I, I felt a little bit like, who is it, Jacob, who wrestled with God? I felt like I did a lot of wrestling, and I wasted time trying to reason that, you know, my plan really is, and it's, you know, these are good things, uh, but really to trust God earlier, sooner, to argue less, to yield sooner, and to just enjoy seeing him unfold things that you, that exceed your expectations and um, fulfill everything that he designed for you to do. You have stood up when others wouldn't on uh, matters of faith in the legislature and things of that nature, and we're not going to get into a whole lot of detail, but what I would say is that you are admirable, and it, it says something that someone is able to have the faith the courage to stand up for what is right. How difficult is that in today's society for the next generation of folks with everything being so gray today? Mm -hmm. It can be very difficult and you have to resolve early on. First of all, I think you need to know the scriptures. How does God deal with persecution and opposition? And what does he say about what we are to expect? So once your expectations are, are right, they're, they're consistent with what the scripture teaches um, then you you realize that he gives you the power to do that. The other thing is you have to set aside your own reputation. It's not, you don't have to win the argument. Maintaining your reputation isn't the, the most important thing. It's not about you. But for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of his name, now that I can stand for. I'm not really worthy of the kind of effort it might take to defend myself. But when you're talking about the gospel and all that's at stake for those who have yet to hear, um, you need to be willing to stand and uh, except what the scripture says God will do for you when you when you do that. Amen. We could talk about that all day. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> what do you hope your legacy will be? I hope it will be that that Georgine was a woman of faith. Despite the fact that I spend, spent a lot of time talking about what's going on in the world, that I never entrusted myself to the world or its values, that I never um, used what happened in an election or what happened, you know, as a gauge for how uh, um, I was going to conduct myself or feel about things that I trusted in God and, and you watch things wax and wane, but God is consistent. And I think that that would be the legacy I'd like. She was a woman of faith uh, and wasn't a reflection of the world, wasn't influenced by the world, but trusted God. Mm. Well, we're entering the season where we celebrate Jesus Christ. Yes. We know it's a few months away, but still this is the beginning of that season. Do you do anything in particular, a tradition or something that you would love to share that you and your family do? Um, Our family always uh, comes together. In fact, when I was growing up, my church always celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve. And we would have a service together with uh, really families that were part of our family. We'd come home and open our presents the the night of of Christmas. And uh, oftentimes we'll read the Christmas story. We'll sing a little bit and just remember what this season is is all about. Yes. And that it's just a, a close family time. We spend a lot of time investing in the season and telling the story leading up to uh, up to Christmas. So it's kind of like exhaling by the time you get there right. to just really um, rejoice as a family and uh, just enjoy fellowship. Yeah. You know, and as the fall leaves have changed and it's so gorgeous mm-hmm. here in the Pacific Northwest, I've discovered that as I'm getting more mature, I like to say that. <laughs> I like that. Um, 
Thanksgiving is becoming even more precious to me. The season where you're around family and with our parents, you said you're taking care of your mom. I'm taking care of my mom as well, even though she's far away Mm -hmm. in New York. You just don't take these celebrations lightly or for granted anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the culture is just so anxious to get us to forget the importance of these uh, occasions, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I walked into a store, it's been a couple of days ago, and they had nothing but Christmas. I mean, uh, Halloween hadn't even come yet. It was nothing but Christmas. They've sort of overlooked Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So you really have to be intentional if you're going to focus on what is this about. Giving Thanksgiving is something that we're encouraged to do in Scripture. And Christmas, you know, it's it's the beginning of God fulfilling his promises. But everything around us cries out, oh, that's not important. Just go buy something. So you have to be intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Do you make that a part of your show? You know, Thanksgiving, oh, absolutely. Christmas, all of that. What about Halloween? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think people are divided on this subject. Right. I think it, they forget that Halloween uh, comes after All Saints Day. So I spend a lot of time talking about All Saints Day. And, yeah. And Halloween was really a response to that. Um, so that, you know, I don't think there's something inherently evil about trick-or-treating, although some people feel very strongly about not engaging in that. Right. So I kind of leave that on the table. I, I, in fact, I'm going to be talking later um uh, this month about uh, so where should Christians stand when it comes to Halloween? I'm not going to dictate that. Your conscience should uh, should tell you what to do. Right. Um, but you know, I think there's there are oftentimes a Christian theme that lays behind whatever it is we're doing. Absolutely. That it's can sometimes be kind of a perversion or a distraction from the central issue that was historically at the fore. Yes. I don't want to leave on that note. Let's be clear. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) one of the things I love are positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. And I believe that you should surround yourself with positive affirmations because what you put in your heart is what comes out. Is there a specific affirmation that you've lived by or one that you love to see on a regular basis or something that you would love to leave with our listeners? I think my most recent affirmation would be to make his name known and to love others well. I think that's Mm. a summation of what we're called, those of us who are followers of Jesus, what we're called to do, to make his name known and to love others well. I love that. Couldn't have been said better, Miss Georgine Rice. That's who we've been talking to for this particular podcast, and it has been my honor It has been my privilege, and I'm so grateful that I get to know you and to work with you and just love on you. And happy 30th anniversary, and I pray that God blesses you with as many more that you want to share. Thank you. And when you celebrate your 30th anniversary, (laughs) I will come back (laughs) and celebrate with you. (laughs) Bless the Lord. All right. Well, that's Georgine Rice from KPDQ. And again, I'm Crystal Thornton from 104.1 The Fish. The best. Oh, I love you. And you are listening to the Best Day Ever podcast.